0: Pathway to Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, episode number 112, with the author of Dying to Win, Terry Capshaw.
1: There are a million of those little things that are expectations for parents. So even just from the moment you know you're having a baby, like, the number of things that people these days worry about that our parents never worried about are incredible you know it's this access to this world of information (laughs) that now uh it's really overwhelming hi this is tony ceballos
0: author of forced turnovers a novel for racial unity Dr. Brad Miller is all about helping you overcome adversity in your life here on the Pathway to Promise podcast. You're on the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes every person has a God-given promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose, and that you must have a plan and a guide to get there. The Pathway to Promise podcast not only is your guide through the wilderness of depression and disappointment that stand between you and your promised life, but also brings you insights and direction from inspiring, successful thought leaders who have transformed their lives. Welcome to The Pathway to Promise. Now, here's Brad. Hello, good people. Welcome to The Pathway to Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. It is incredibly, uh, it, it is just awesome that you've joined me here today on the pathway to promise where we are all about trying to be helpful to your life to overcome adversity in your life whatever it may be in order to achieve your promised life of peace and prosperity and purpose today we're going to focus on that aspect about peace because we're talking about stress and one of the opposite one of the antidotes to stress is to have take bold action in your life and to arrive at a place of peace. That's where we want to be, of emotional and peace within the family. Particularly today, we're talking about stress in the family, particularly stress that parents often impose upon their children regarding their academic success. We'll be talking in a minute with author Terry Capshaw, the author of Dying to Win. Here at the Pathway to Promise, we're here to be helpful to you. You can always go to our website, pathwaypromise.com, where we have some helpful tips for you to overcome stress, to deal with depression, or a diagnosis of a disease, or perhaps a death in the family. Maybe it's an issue involving debt, or depression, or a divorce. There's all kinds of things that cause us stress, and anxiety, and adversity in our life, and you can get through it. We're here to help. I have a background in ministry and in teaching, and I'm here to help. And moreover, we have great guests with us who are here to help you as well, authors of books and other teachers and leaders who have overcome their own sets of adversity to achieve their life of peace and prosperity and purpose. And that includes our author today, Terry Capshaw, who is dealing with the issue of stress, particularly stress related to academic success. This is a tremendous issue that is really prevalent more so than we might appreciate. The subtitle of of her book is How to Inspire and Ignite Your Child's Love of Learning in an Overstressed World. She'll tell her whole story here in just a minute, but it comes out of her own experience, being a homeschooled person and finding herself in a foreign country in Taiwan, where she experienced the uh, high, high, high level of stress imposed upon students there and how, in many cases, it's led to disasters such as suicide. We can't let this happen. We have to, as parents, we have to connect with our children in such a way that they are encouraged and not depressed or stressed to the point of not being able to function. I know in my own life, my three adult children sometimes kid around, but the, but the stress is they felt like I put them through academically or in music or sports, and we have a good laugh about that now. But sometimes I think about that. Maybe I uh, approach things a little differently. Perhaps I could have used this book, The Dying to Win by Terry Capshaw. We look forward to hearing from Terry Capshaw right now. Dr. Brad Miller back with you here on the Pathway to Promise podcast, where it is our mission to help folks overcome adversity in their life in order to achieve their life, their God-given life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. And we do that in many ways by teaching and leading and helping guide people to resources, including great authors. One of those authors is with us here today on the Pathway to Promise. Her name is Terry Capshaw. She is dealing with the issue of stress in the academic world in her book, Dying to Win, how to Inspire and Ignite Your Child's Love of Learning in an overstressed World. She comes from a background of education and of broadcasting and of homeschooling, but most of all, she is a dedicated mom, and she's on a mission to help families to overcome limitations imposed by an overstressed world. Terry Capshaw, welcome to Pathway to Promise.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, awesome, it's good to have you uh, with us here on the Pathway to Promise. I have to admit I'm a little bit biased in that you are an educator and a teacher and a person who loves learning. I come from a a family of teachers and leaders. Uh, Two of my uh, sisters are educators. And my mother is a retired educator. My dad, who's deceased now, was an educator and a pastor. So, and I have a daughter who's uh, got a master's degree and I went to school for longer than I want to admit. But uh, so uh, it's good to have you here on the on the on the uh, on the pathway to promise. But we're talking today about the stresses of the academic world, particularly on younger people. And but uh, why did you write this book and why is this issue important to you?
1: You know, I have an interesting personality in that I was raised uh, to think differently, to question everything. And yet I really like to please people right? Okay. And so, uh, when I first went to Asia, I was so excited because I was finally going to learn how to give my kids the education that was really the best education. Right. And so, uh, I, just
0: as positive say, I assume you had heard or learned or just been around this, uh, this vibe that Asian education was somehow different in some way superior to our, to, uh, American education. Is that a part of what you were thinking?
1: Absolutely. Yes. I wanted to, you know, help my kids catch up. It's one of the least controversial uh, political endeavors out there is our kids need to catch up with the rest of the world. Right. Mm, Very few people will argue with that concept. Right. And, I had grown up being homeschooled. It started out, it was not very well accepted. And uh, at this point in uh, 2014, when I was heading to Taiwan, homeschooling was now accepted. But as plan B, because our schools weren't good enough, it's an acceptable alternative, right? And so now I was finally going to the part of the world where people had it together, right? I was going to see these perfect schools because this is where kids were acing these tests. This is, you know, this is what we're aspiring for in America, right? That's why we had no child left behind. That's why we had common core agree with it or disagree with it. That is the goal of these education reforms is to catch up with the rest of the world. So I was excited to find what I would find there. And I was horrified when I actually got there.
0: And you found something different. So what did you find that was different than what your expectations were?
1: So I expected that children's learning was being inspired, right? You know, you mentioned you come from a background of uh, people who really took academics and learning. And it's, it's something that I've always treasured. I've loved learning, right? And, and I expected to find kids being taught that. When I got there, I found kids, even young kids, in school from 8 a.m. and finishing up activities and tutoring around 10 p.m. at night. And there was not a love of learning.
0: And not much of a life, I wouldn't think, uh, outside of that.
1: No. I mean, we're not talking about a sit-down dinner. We're talking about grabbing a snack on the way from school to tutoring or activities every night. And uh, one day I was watching kids cross the street on a weekend in their school uniforms, and I thought to myself, isn't this making them suicidal? And the answer is yes, not so much in Taiwan. Uh, My friends in Taiwan would describe themselves, some of them describe themselves as kind of slackers in their region. Uh, But if you look deep, you find lots of stories of students suicide in that region of the world. And in China, China's this big uh, economic power that we're all worried about catching up with, right? In China, the government says that there's about 500 kids a year dying because of academic pressure committing suicide
0: that's a that's a big number and yet i wouldn't be surprised if it's an underreported number just we probably don't know anyway knowing that but a lot of times those things are
1: absolutely and even the government number said about 24 percent of kids are considering suicide and uh you know Putting out this book, I was very, very careful to make sure that I had these numbers. I didn't want to exaggerate. And a couple of weeks ago, you were there. I spoke at uh, I spoke at a conference, and I'll tell you, I think my numbers are way low. The anecdotal evidence is really terrifying. The number of stories I've heard of kids in the U.S. Um, that there is one story that's just. Heartbreak. You know, one story, that's all it takes for this to be unacceptable. Okay. Sure, it's it's not about the numbers, right? But there is one story a family member told me about in her community, where a uh, young boy, I believe he was 14 years old, his dad talked to him about his grades And, uh, and this was a kid who was always, you know, that kid who can't sit still, can't listen, can't, you know, whatever. They're all over the place. His dad had talked to him about his bad grades and he went to a church meeting. And when he came home, his son had shot himself. Oh my gosh. And I mean, I don't know how much this is out there because it's not being studied to my knowledge. And if anybody knows about it, please send me an email because I- It's really? been a long.
0: It's been a long time, but I read a study a long time ago when I was doing some research on some of the stuff I was working on about basically high, high, high level academic schools, Ivy League, and so on, where the suicide rate of those folks there is, you know, really greater than, like a state school, for instance, or something like that. So I don't, I don't, I don't want to speak to it too much. I want to hear more what you have, but I just want to affirm that I agree with you that there's probably nothing more devastating than a young person's suicide, and we're talking here about how pressure that may be able to be uh, avoided or dealt with in a different manner can be the case. And that's apparently what you're working on here in your book and what what you're about. I'm also interested in your story, Terry, about some of the things, some of the things, difficulties you've had to deal with and overcome in terms of getting to the point where this was your passion. What did you have to deal with in your life in order to overcome that you knew that you had to do something about it? And maybe this book was one of those things you had to do,
1: absolutely well, you know i'm I'm one of those people that uh, I do well with the dramatic challenges in life, right? And okay. so I have seen you know the growth that I dealt with as a young child dealing with deaths of my grandparents different traumatizing events. And, uh, you know, those things are always hard to deal with, but you always see so much growth over time, right? Uh, But what is really difficult, and I think what I wasn't prepared for as an adult, was dealing with those little everyday pressures from our society. And I think those pressures lead to anxiety and depression those kinds of things, you know, everything a mom is expected to do sure. today. You know, well, give me
0: an example what you mean by those little everyday pressures. Give me some like uh, some of those things that may stack up and impact you.
1: Right. So we have a lot of modern traditions. And uh, one thing that I've I am not like the Pinterest mom that goes out and does these big birthday parties or all these types of things. But there are a million of those little things that are expectations for parents. So even just from the moment you know you're having a baby, like the number of things that people these days worry about that our parents never worried about are incredible. You know, it's this access to this world of information <laughs> that now... Uh, it's really overwhelming. And one of the hardest things that I have, and one of the things I had to process that helped me, help push me to write this book is wanting to give my kids all the experiences, wanting to give them the best. Because we, there are too many good opportunities to the point that we can involve our kids in so many things that we would not even have a relationship
0: let me give you a quick example of my own life here, because I just resonate with what you're saying so much today. As we record this, happens to be my granddaughter's second birthday, and I just know that in the last three years since I knew I was this is my only grandchild, and my my daughter's probably about the same age as you. But uh, so her experience of being a mother was much different than my experience of being a father when I was, you know, when she was coming along. For instance, I had no idea about this whole thing a couple years ago of the um, reveal party, you know, the gender reveal—whole new thing to me. And I and I couldn't believe. It. And every birthday, and every Christmas, and every like, you know, every is all these like the biggest thing for her right now. One of the biggest things for my daughter was, are we going to get Disney streaming channel or not? For all the things for my granddaughter. But but what I'm getting at is the myriad of opportunities is making my head hurt. And I'm the grandfather, and I'm only involved with a minuscule part of it comparatively to everything else. So I'm having a hard time imagining the stress that people are going through. So didn't mean to interrupt you too much, but I just was thinking about that today, about what I need to do for my own granddaughter. So go ahead.
1: Absolutely. So part of looking at this is I really had to start asking myself a lot of deep questions. How am I going to raise my kids? Are they going to be in T-ball, gymnastics, ballet, 4-H, scouting? you know, everything imaginable, are they going to do everything under the sun? And how am I going to handle that? How am I going to handle having the smash cake for the first birthday? And the I, just, I did do the smash cake. Okay. Yeah, That's okay. probably like the only cutesy Pinteresty, and it was not Pinterest worthy. But, <laughs> but you know, these things, but These things might not seem that traumatic, but I truly feel like they are oppressing so many people today. They
0: stack, don't they? They stack.
1: Right. And they pull us, they suck us into this vortex of comparison. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it comes down to. If you look at the international testing and you look at what's happening on Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook feeds, there's very little difference. It's people comparing themselves to other people, which is an excuse not to recognize their own importance and potential and to look at them, look at themselves the way God looks at them.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So you've got this stress in your life and you experienced that. So it sounds to me like part of what you're trying to help us to discern here out of your own experience and your experience with the educators, both here in the States and in, uh, and in Taiwan, is how to discern, how to narrow that focus down, how to have quality as well as quantity in your life in order to get a good education, but well-rounded and still have a well-rounded human being, not just an academic machine. So tell us what are some of the ways that you sorted this out? What are you doing here in your book or what are some things that we can, um, some applicable uh, principles that we can apply to our lives?
1: Absolutely. Well, what I think is most important is for people to have this solid understanding of they need to have the courage to go against some modern traditions in our life and really choose what's best for their child, to look at their child. And one thing I talk about in the book is that you need to both be an authority over your child, because we've had, I think, a few generations of people who have felt the sense of abandonment and so it is important that we're there as authority figures over our children but not merely as this person who is in control but to actually be authorities on our children
0: Mm, interesting turn of a phrase yes
1: so we actually know them well enough that we know deep down what this individual child takes and the biggest thing that we need to be able to do that is to protect their time. So that's the number one thing I talk about is protecting your time, but also protecting your children's time so that they have downtime to get to know themselves. You know that uh, Blaise Pascal quote, I'm going to butcher it here, but basically all of humanity's problems stem from a man's inability to be in a room Alone.
0: Oh, yes. I was sorting, trying to sort that out for a second to stay, remain still is such an important uh, manifestation. It's a a meditative practice, really. You know, it's learning how to meditate and to focus on something on a deeper level.
1: Absolutely. So that's one of the biggest things is in our busy world to really say, okay, we're going to put up boundaries, we're going to put up borders, and we're going to have time for kids to, you know, be bored, to get to know themselves, to get comfortable with themselves, mm-hmm. and uh, both active time and quiet time. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, that the thing, there, there's something to be said for being bored. What I mean by that is there's something to be said for that times of quiet and, and without distraction. Of course, our world is all about distraction, you know, whether it's a thousand, thousand TV channels and, you know, social media and, you know, all those activities you mentioned, you know, T-ball and ballet and all that good stuff.
1: And Absolutely. Air
0: pressures. Go ahead.
1: And then, uh, so what I actually ended up doing is I was looking at this situation where in uh, China we have kids studying for up to 17 hours a day. If you look online, you can find pictures of children sitting in a classroom with IV tubes hooked up to them.
0: That's crazy. crazy.
1: (laughs) I know, but there's pictures. Actually delivering amino acids directly into their bloodstream so that they can study a little longer without stopping for a lunch break.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: That's how intense this crazy academic rush is. And, um, and you know, there's another thing that just killed me. There was a uh, picture of, suicide barriers they put up in these open-air balconies at one of the best schools in China, and they had put up these suicide barriers just before their big high-stakes exams because uh, they'd already lost a couple of students the year before, or that year, I don't remember perfectly, but they put up these suicide barriers, and then they put these huge banners on them and so i showed the story to my chinese tutor at the time i was living in taiwan i showed it to my chinese tutor and she looked at it and she said those banners said study hard
0: okay i'm not following in a way study hard and but prevent it seems like a mixed message there doesn't it
1: absolutely they put up barriers metal barriers to keep them from jumping and then added a message over those barriers saying study hard it's just the pressure is nonstop. It just wow. simply doesn't let up. And so I looked at this and I thought, okay, you know, this is one of your moments in life where you look back and you say, oh, my mom was right. <laughs> so here I am in Asia looking for the perfect education system. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I know homeschool students who study for four hours a day and they graduated with master's degrees at age 18. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take 17 hours a day to excel. And I think this is the biggest thing that's keeping people from reducing stress on our kids. It's this concept that you have to choose between success and happiness, hmm. that you can't be successful if you're not stressed out. Wow! It's, it's what I consider a glorification of the type A personality, right?
0: Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Glorification, which has always been there to some degree, but it seemed to me what you experienced was just magnified and multiplied in your experience in Asia, but certainly have it here in our culture as well. You know, that glorification of that, you know, success and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be successful, with wanting to go after things, there's a huge difference between being driven by fear and being a soul on fire.
0: Mm, Awesome. Awesome. There's a
1: world of difference between that. And so I went back and looked through homeschooling and you know, homeschooling is as good as you make it right. It's purely individual. And, uh, but I looked and I thought, what are, the tenants, the the few things that make homeschooling work really well. And so I really thought about it and came up with a list of things. And then I interviewed tons of people who were successful uh, at either homeschooling their children or they had been homeschooled or something like that. And I interviewed them and talked to them about it. And they all agreed with these things that I brought up. And uh, so I brought up seven things. One is protect their time. Two, set expectations three, let your children dream, four, teach goal setting, five, work smart, six, encourage independent work, this is so wonderful, and seven, practice contentment.
0: Yeah, and that's the basic concepts you teach in your book, I'm, I'm aware of, and I really like that one, you said there, the last couple there about practice, practicing contentment, so it seems to me for a lot of folks, we would, you know, I think what you experienced was the sensibility that contentment would be a result of your hard work rather than something that you actually, you know, practice and work at, make it a part of who who you are. So that's an awesome thing.
1: You know, it was interesting because my pastor recently brought up something that really It really made me think, right? So he talked about the verse where it says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. Mm -hmm. What he said is he said, look at what that's referring to. It's actually referring to the part of the Bible where Paul talks about being content, whether he abounds or if he lacked, he was still content in the situations." it does take strength to be content
0: very interesting i just uh, preached on that two weeks ago i'm a pastor of church i just preached that same person about being content in all things but you still have to have a sensibility about uh about giving your best and not settling but also putting things in proper perspective Uh, but your ultimate goal is to be you know, uh, content in life. It's not to be stressed out. It's to be accomplished things. And, and that's uh, I love, love that. And you touched on something that I think is a couple of things I want to just circle back with you about. And I think we're really talking here in a lot of ways, Terry, about a well-rounded person, a whole young person, whole young man, whole young woman, holistic W H O L E is what I'm talking about. And, and, as opposed to being only, you know, you experience kind of the academic skewed that way. Other people get skewed, you know, whether it's music or athletics or whatever, you know, going out and hanging out with the friends, or whatever it is. So in building this whole person, I think there is uh, an element of some taking some bold action. You've indicated some of those things, but there's also elements of uh, drawing on some power greater than yourself. And you've touched on that a little bit. What role do you think that plays, if any, And helping build these whole persons, some sort of a higher power involved. Can you speak to that for a second?
1: Absolutely. I believe it's the foundation. You know, it's really, for me especially, I feel like my relationship with God is the foundation of what I'm able to do. And it's important not to get too wrapped up in any system. You know, we can have these things that I list and these things that you're supposed to do sometimes god 's going to call you to do some things that seem absolutely crazy mm-hmm. to everyone around you, right. and yet if it 's what he 's calling you to, that 's something you should be doing. and so we do have to be bold, we have to be courageous, and we have to take steps and For me, I know some people thought I was crazy, but we had one child where my husband and I talked about it, and we removed her from most social situations for almost a year. Mm-hmm. And people thought that was crazy, but we knew our daughter and we saw something that worried us in her personality at a very young age. And, you know, a year later, we'd work through these issues and we're ready to go. And she's in all these social things again, but there are going to be times when you have to take bold action and it doesn't look like a movie, but it's absolutely important. Mm
0: -hmm. And so best, we were talking about education, true education as a learning experience. It's often those bold actions, those dramatic things that we do that may be against the norms that often the best learning experiences. And that's what you're sharing there about your daughter. She's not going to forget that. She may, you know, not like it for a while or whatever it would be. You know, a lot of things we adversity is often about facing things that we don't like and so on and so forth and getting through that. So spiritual stuff is awesome. Part of the holistic person. Let's talk about relationships for a minute. Because as I heard you describe the young people you encountered in Taiwan and in Asia and some here, I hear a lot of loneliness, a lot of isolation, a lot of pain, this type of thing. What role do you think healthy relationships come into play here? You described your own relationship with your daughter, for instance, your husband involved, parenting child, child parent, peer to peer. Uh, uh, you know, uh, advocates, teachers, and so on, Describe to me the power or the role of loving nature or per- appropriate relationships in helping education to take place.
1: Absolutely, I think the biggest problem we have today, and I'm sure it is uh, exacerbated by social media. The biggest problem is that we tend to look at things on the surface, on the exterior. And that keeps us from having deep and true and real relationships. And so that's the biggest problem that I see. And, you know, I see it in Asia. I see it everywhere, really. You know, as much as we can look at things and say, oh, well, that's this group of people's problems. Actually, we have a lot more in common than we could ever imagine. And we actually, one thing I didn't mention is how the suicide rate in the U.S. actually tracks with the school calendar year. Uh, There's one really good study about that and a lot of stories that seem to back that up. And um, that's the biggest thing that we have to look at is when we're looking at the way things are supposed to be and we put laws and rules in place, we tend to focus too much on those laws and rules and that keeps us from having the relationship that we should have. I mean, if you look at if your highest good in parenting or in teaching is consistency and following rules, then you look at the old Testament Bible. Yes. We had the law and we also had something called Pharisees.
0: Yeah. And we know that the breaking of the law and the, you know, the, that pattern of breaking and coming back and forgiveness and so on, was all about the old Testament. And it wasn't always the healthiest thing in the world, was it? Absolutely. we We have the focus in the New Testament about covenant, about relationship. And I think that's where you're going here.
1: And it doesn't mean that we don't have standards. You know, we have these rules, we have standards in place for our children. We have all these things in place, but what is most important is to not just look at the outside. Does it look like this child is following the rules? Does this child look how they're supposed to do? They, make me feel smart when my child is talking to my friends. Mm -hmm. You know, the deeper thing is, is to really get to know inside that child. And uh, you know, that involves spending time with them and it's an imperfect art. I'll tell you, I talk about these things. I write about these things. And then I look at my home every day and I say, am I getting to (laughs) those children or will they be writing a memoir about their life someday? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and or, and uh, will it be a tell-all about uh, what mom did to me or whatever? Uh, oh, well, I, we don't, I won't go too far down that rabbit hole. But we could all, all of us parents could scare ourselves uh, to death if we go too far down that way. So.
1: But I think what we have to focus on is being willing to not look at what people think we're supposed to do as much as look at our individual children, take the time to know who they are.
0: Okay, well, let's talk about it for a second about how to do that, and then we'll just kind of bring us around where I want to go here for our last few minutes together. If we're going to apply your principles here uh, to a real life circumstance, let's just say you're talking to that uh, that mom of that elementary age child who just you know has some concerns and this kind of thing. What are some Disciplines. What are some prints? I mean, you already mentioned some of the principles, but what are some kind of day to day habits or, or actions or disciplines that they can do that they can apply in their life right now?
1: I think one thing that's really important is something that you talk a lot about is the importance of overcoming adversity. And I actually, rather than creating a lot of expectations and stresses in my child's life, I like to actually create a little bit of adversity in their lives.
0: Mm, awesome.
1: So I give them a problem. I create a challenge for them, or there's just a challenge that they encounter in life. And I'm kind of like, well, figure it out. Yeah. And that's really important because that's part of that independent work that they end up doing. But it's also part of learning who they are, digging a little bit deeper. And I think it's really important to give our kids to not just feed them everything they're supposed to do and everything they're supposed to know and then measure how well they're copying these patterns. That's mm. a lot of what we consider education. Yes. But to create real life challenges for them and say, well, how are you going to deal with that?
0: Yeah. Help people think it through, figure it out. I have a phrase I use with my, with my own children who are all adults now. In fact for my twenty-five-year-old son just came in the house and left to do something. But uh, I have a we. If we kind of get around, I just go. Uh, they got a problem, whatever. I say did DWI, which has nothing to do with drinking. It's just deal with it, you know, deal with it. And most times they do. Most times they do. Now, of course, when there's crisis, you then you step up and that kind of thing. But I just uh, think you're offering some practical tools here for, for people to not settle. One of the things I like the one of the Books I enjoy a lot, uh, Terry is, is a teaching of Jim Collins, which is good to great. You know, you don't, the uh, good is the enemy of great. you be great uh, when you choose to go above and beyond things. And his is, is about the process and of how you think, you know, how you think and about uh, not settling. And you sound like you haven't settled for what this expectation was of this very regimented form of education, which actually literally, given the title of your book, is killing kids, isn't it? I mean, literally, yes. and that's, that's a tragedy that's almost beyond, it takes your breath away when you think about that, so. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Terry, how can folks understand a little more about what you're working on, about your book? How can they get a hold of it? If somebody wants to, if you're going to speak into someone's life, how can they, how can you do that? How can people get connected with
1: you? Well, they can head to my website, terrycapshaw.com, or send me an email. It's really simple, terry at terrycapshaw.com. That's Terry, T E R I, that four letter word. Okay.
0: <laughs> we will we'll put the connections to your website in our show notes as well at pathwaypromise.com. And uh, you got some great things to share here. You know, one of the things that I really appreciate is you are helping deal with the common experience of education, right? Everybody has education, and there's we didn't even get into this. side decided we talked earlier about the stress on the high achieving end of things. There's stress on the low achieving end of things, too. You know, people that are underserved, and that's all, another deal uh, that is tremendously stressful as, as well uh, with uh, you know poor educational systems and all kinds of things that are out there. And we could have another episode about that. Maybe, maybe that'll be your next. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Actually, uh, my book is dedicated to my mother who homeschooled me because she was underserved in her schools. So yeah, yeah, it's the flip side of the same thing. But the biggest thing is, is just calling parents to do whatever it takes. It's not just about sending them to the right school or homeschooling or whatever, just doing whatever it takes to know where your kid's at and to reach your kids.
0: Well, I think it boils down to the way I look at it, it's kind of in your subtitle of your book, which is how to inspire and ignite your child's love of learning in a stressed world. And we have that right now. And if we can ignite that love of learning, that will serve everyone well for their lifetime, if you have a love of love of learning. So we appreciate what you have to add to this conversation about how to overcome and deal with stress as one of the adversities that we deal with in life. And, And we thank you for being our guest today on The Pathway to Promise, Terry Capshaw, the author of Dying to Win. Today was a learning experience for me. I learned a lot about stress of children by their parents and by others in order to succeed. Stress that can lead sometimes to a breaking point sometimes even to the absolute devastating disaster of suicide. Our author today, Terry Capshaw, gives us some great insights. I hope you had some great takeaways to take with you uh, today about, you know, so much time and pressure spent among many people in order to uh, succeed that sometimes families are not being families. And we're talking about overstress and how you can do something about it. I just heard here my conversation with Terry some things that I think you can as well. One is just to be a good listener to your children. Listen to their stress and look for signs that you can be uh, helpful there. Be collegial about it with your children rather than being dictatorial in such a way that they can succeed and their path of success may not be what you have in mind as well. Sometimes it's just relax, have fun, laugh, giggle, go to a movie, do something else. Uh, interact with them, and have a bit of a systematic way that you can encourage without being condemning. There's lots of things that we can do, but the idea here is to be a family and understand that there's freedom that can be involved here. Freedom in how you learn and just seek out passion in life, not other things that can be suppressing. Good things to learn from the book, Dying to Win by Terry Capshaw. TerryCapshaw.com is her website. We'll put the connections to that in our show notes here at PathwayPromise.com, where it is our mission to help you overcome adversity in order to achieve your promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. And we do that all the time here at our our website, PathwayPromise.com, where we have a free gift for you there, and we want to be helpful to your life. Join us again next time at The Pathway to Promise, where either I will be leading some teaching to impart some good things into your life because you are the good people, or we'll have another author with us who can give us insights on how they have overcome adversity in their life or have something to teach us about overcoming adversity to achieve your promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Until next time, my good good people, my good friend, this is Dr. Brad Miller encouraging you to keep your promises because there's power in a promise kept. Thanks so much for taking the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. As a subscriber, you'll be a vital part of the Pathway to Promise community. Visit us on the web at pathwaypromise.com. Until next time, remember to stay on your Pathway to Promise.